This weekend, we went into the city, into the large mall inside of Nashville. Yep. And yeah, at Aubrey Mills Mall or yeah, whatnot. Yeah. Every place had a two hour wait yeah. for food. And when we walked, what we started to notice was as we were going from Rainforest Cafe to this restaurant to that restaurant, walking up to them, you would imagine that they would say there's no wait because a third, if not slightly more than that, of their tables were just empty. And they all said the same thing, like as if they were all singing the same song. Yeah, we just don't have the staff. We just don't have the staff. Yeah. And I'm looking around and I'm thinking, what, what has gone wrong? Because for a while, I had the thought in my mind that, oh, you know, we're giving a lot of economic stimulus. We have extended the unemployment benefits. Maybe people aren't going back to work because they're getting money from the government. But I believe most of that's expired, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So what is it? At least what I've seen, in, you know, um, the boomer generation, they just decided to exit the workforce. So there's a lot of people that's exited the workforce and they're just, there wasn't the people behind them to fill all, all that, all those work spots. I mean, really the demographics, if you look, it takes 2.25 um, children to, to maintain your per, you know, couple to maintain your, uh, your population. And we've been, you know, not hitting those numbers in our country for a while. And I think when you look at the demographics and I, I love studying them, especially when you look at China and some other industrial countries, Japan, Germany, they're all in the same boat. Their populations are shrinking. In fact, China, they thought they're going to hit peak population in 2030. They hit it this year. I was reading about it. They're already are going down and they've already had more people die than were born this year. And so they're on the same path of like, you're going to have to automate these things. Germany's been in trouble for a while. That's why they brought in a lot of the, the Syrian refugees when that happened. I was actually working in Germany doing a SAP deployment when I worked at Caterpillar. And it, we had Tent City right outside the Dortmund soccer stadium. It was really interesting. And they were bringing people in because they knew that they needed that population to do things. That's why, you know, the automation is going to have to happen um, in these areas, really. Have you heard Mike Rowe talk about this? Yes. Eye-opening, right? Yep. He knows it's true, too. And we don't have the trades. You know, I'm building a house right now. It's challenging to get anybody in the trades. Actually, if I had a – all my children are graduated from college. But if I had a college-age student right now, I'd say, don't go to college. Go learn a trade. Go become an electrician or a plumber or whatever because you're going to be better off financially because you're going to be able to demand a premium – um, for your services, because there's not enough people out there to do it. Well, there's the story of the electrician driving around in the $80,000 pickup truck, crushing it yep. at 21. And then you see their counterpart coming out of college with a hundred grand in debt, living at home with their yeah. parents. And they've already bought their first house, have a car they shouldn't be having if you're following mm -hmm. an intelligent financial plan, but they've got the disposable income simply because the price has gone up so great because of supply and demand.
So back back to the experience I had at the mall. Did we come to a conclusion? Do we think that the reason why there was a lack is because of population regeneration or because of economic things happening? Did we come to a conclusion on what we think that is? I think it's a combination of both. I think okay. it's people leaving the workforce, but also other people not, they're just deciding to do without. I mean, there's some of the younger millennials. They have some friends that have some some kids and they're just happy beating around. They don't, they're not looking to buy a house. They don't care about what kind of car and they're just not into that. You know, the work like that, they have different experiences in life. And I think the combination of those things, different generations, different experiences, people aren't willing maybe to do that type of work anymore. And, and cause I mean, it's a hard job working in, you know, service and things like that. And um, just don't see the value in it. I was also thinking that part of it might be the labor squeeze in the technology market and them paying ridiculous entry fees just to get people out of the restaurants and into some training program where they can learn to do customer support or write some very basic low-level code. Yeah. Yeah. That too. Well, and remote work. Absolutely. Somebody would rather go do remote work than Mm -hmm. work in a restaurant, you know? Yeah. I talked to the CTO of Upwork and- Yeah, Upwork. I was asking about trends or things that they see, you know, behind the scenes that, that are interesting. And he said, one of the trends that they were seeing was the rise of hiring outside of major cities. Most people think the talent was in major cities, but it is true. It's not just a small isolated incident where people decided, Hey, COVID happened. So I can go live outside of a a major city and have make my money go farther and have a higher quality of experience. That's happening across the planet in all all the different countries and continents. That is true too, because you look at even at China, they built all those cities, mm-hmm. and I've I've been all through China on the bullet trains and seen them. They're ghost cities. Nobody's living in them. There's few lights. Some of them, you know, people even paid for them, and nobody's living in them. And they invested their retirements thinking they're going to make money on it. And I I do see that, and that that's kind of the draw for our company. Uh, one of our models is you know work where you like. You don't. All of our work is remote, which is amazing. We've done, we did a project for over two years with, we never stepped on foot with a customer's work site. And it was a large mining uh, contract mining company. And we were doing, um, using telemetric data off from their mining vehicles. We never stepped foot in Indonesia and did, and delivered these um, projects remotely. It's just amazing what COVID really drove. When I was raising money for this company, that, that we're at today, we've been doing it for about five, six years. They were asking me about how I meet with the customers and, and make this happen because we were selling, you know, roughly 600,000 to a million dollars a year, uh, and, and sponsorships and leadership training and things of that nature. And I said, zoom. And, and this was before the pandemic, right? And they're like, well, what do you mean? said, we meet all our customers in Zoom. He's like, well, why is your travel budget zero? I was like, because we don't leave. We and, and it just took a moment for everybody to realize that I think I was the first company that they had ever seen that had built, and well, that was pitching to them, right? That had built an entire business completely remotely. And our team today is fully remote as well. So yeah, I like it. I like that lifestyle. A lot of people are, are getting pretty addicted to it. And I think companies that are requiring them to come back to work are, are losing them because they can go someplace else. And it, it's got to be challenging. I can't even imagine being a large corporation and owning the 
real estate that they own and oh, trying to, man. you know, manage it because, and even the government, we're, we're doing a large, um, warehouse management system with defense logistics agency and even the government workers that they, they, they're allowing them, you know, they only have to be in the office, you know, so many days during the month they have to hit it. But, uh, you know, they have these huge government monoliths, you know, and nobody's in them. <laughs> they're all working from home. It's amazing. What do you think will happen with the economy on the basic premise that humans use currency to exchange value with one another? So even if everything were automated, we would find some other thing, some other reason, even if it got down to all of us making art or music or something yeah, of that nature. I, I don't think humans are ever going to be out of the loop totally. I think that we're going to be 10 times more productive mm. because, and this is what I've seen just helping customers and doing these things now where the people are spending all this time on non-value added and not being able to resolve problems or think about problems or have enough time to even do anything but survive in manufacturing imagine if you can automate all these things and now the computer goes i don't know how to solve this one or i don't know how to make this better i don't now if you're are you familiar with six sigma yes so to make right so if you can codify and this is what we always say design it um measure it and analyze it so that you take you don't you take all of that grunge work that you have to do to try to figure out problems and now you just have to do improve and control and then you still use automation to improve and control okay that one's done i've digitally codified that problem it's not a problem anymore pretty soon now you've got people opened up to be to your point <laughs> painting but there can be creative and start thinking about a problem because when you're just inundated with nothing but you get hit with problems all day and you can't get good situation awareness or understand what you're thinking about or not have good decision support because you've got bad information and you make bad decisions. And this is where in the military, we just started getting, we were able to fight differently because all these things were being taken care of us. And actually the system was sending alerts to us and say, Hey, look at this, what's going on with that? Not us having to see it. And I think that's where we got to go. And a lot of people say, well, fourth industrial revolution is going to take away everybody's job. No, it's, they're not. No. They're not going to do it. I don't think so. There's some things will, but I think it'll be replaced by other things that need to be done too. Only because that's the entire pattern through all of history. Yeah. That's the <laughs> horse carriages, right? Uh, you know, airplane. Yeah, all these things. Mail oh, with the what, internet. What are yeah. women going to do in the house? They got a washing machine. They got all, you know. <laughs> oh, man. So, what do you think is going to happen as far as, okay, to your point, we make people more productive. I was watching a video earlier today and they said, and who knows if this is fact-checked, right? 2% of people have this sense of urgency, this sense of get up and go. And when I look around the world and see the entrepreneurs and see, you know, get to work with different people and just hiring people alone, I know it is definitely more rare to have someone with a high work ethic and a sense of urgency. Whether it's 2% or not, maybe it's close. But let's say you make those 2% of people 10 times more efficient and effective does that allow more people to float on by what happens to the people who aren't are they just living a, an average life or in the, in their desire is to if they want to make a change to have nicer stuff or how does that work that's interesting you know hmm as a person that's highly productive, has a high sense of urgency my whole life. <laughs> you know, oh, I wake up in the middle of the night like, oh crap, I gotta get this done, you know? And 
It's hard for me to imagine that, though I would like to. I'm getting to the age where I want. I would like to just be able to say, you know what? I'm gonna. I want to read this today. I got all these books that I buy all the time. I'm like, I want to read them, and um, I'm too busy creating and doing other things. But I think that some of these things, like a lot, I get millennials get a bad name. But what I've seen is, I've seen a lot of young engineers when I when we give them these tools, they come up with solutions that I could never think of they're they're so much better like oh look at this i did this 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 and this you're like that's great i mean you're running so i think what i really believe is if you do this right and this is what i always try to do when i was factory manager if i can push the business down to the lowest level because where does the undercover boss always go they don't go to middle management they go down to the shop floor the lowest level imagine if you can empower that workforce there's a lot of ingenuity down there they just they're just not empowered. And I think maybe they feel like, well, I'm not part of the decision. I'm not part of this. I can't, what's the difference? I'll just come here, punch my time. But what I've seen is, and I have a a chapter about untapped uh, potential in the book with people. I think if you engage people and you give them the responsibility and if they understand what you want and this, Oh, this is what you want, boss. This is, this is makes it important for my job. I can feel a sense of empowerment. I have decision rights. I based off this, the system's telling me you really can drive your business down the lower level. And when you have an, an, an um, organization, and I always like to say, guys, we want to set this up where we have boring manufacturing or boring logistics or boring whatever, and everybody's working two levels up because they're empowered because we've given them the tools to be part of ownership of the business and driving it. And if you can get that. The business outcomes are unbelievable because now who knows the job better than the people on the floor? Give them the tools and let and empower them and reward them properly. I used to put out reward posters, solve this quality problem, and I'll give you the you know this much money. And I have one guy, I mean, he made so much money one year off from a war, like we got him the chairman's or the general manager's award at the end of the year. He got like seven thousand dollars plus up for tax. He was able to put a new driveway and he was almost because me and his wife are crying, like, can't believe, we, you know, we work for a company that does this for us. It's really cool to see that engagement, too, and empowerment. I learned that from a young age. When I was, I think, about 10 years old, my uncle worked at Fuji Film, you know, the film company. <laughs> and he was, I, I believe, a plant manager, like a floor manager. And he had some control or way that if you moved the processing equipment, the manufacturing equipment, if you just reorganized it in the same space, you would get a certain amount of efficiency. And he went and he approached his team or leaders and he said, Hey, I want to be compensated. I have this, I, this, this method that we can adopt that'll give us this more efficiency. And I want compensation based off that. And he worked out some deal with them and, and he did it. And to me, I just seeing that that's possible. Uh, having that around me, that helped shape my way of thinking about business quite a lot. It's powerful. And if you engage people better, treat them better. And and I always said, look, I work for you. My job is to empower you and give you the most tools. You tell me what you need. What What's going to make a difference? Don't make excuses. Don't, you know, let's, let's get those. But I always found that there's theory of Y, theory X. I, I always believe theory X people are want to do a good job. And if you empower them, they will. 